and welcome to series two of my podcast, Innovation, where we get to hear stories and experiences of incredible women in science and technology. Not only will you get insights into some fascinating innovations, but you may also even relate to their stories, especially if you're a little bit unconventional or non-conforming. As with all science and technology, what these women do for a living has a real impact on all of our lives, and we often don't realize it. But here on Innovation, I'm also giving women a platform for them to be heard and for us to be inspired and uplifted by what they've learned along their life's journeys, both personally and professionally. This week, I talked to Tilly, who's an engineering cadet on board Agulhas. The SA Agulhas II is a South African ice-breaking polar supply and research ship that's owned by the Department of Environmental Affairs and it was built in 2012. And the whole purpose of this ship was to go on an expedition for the Falklands Maritime Heritage Trust to try and find the wreckage of Sir Ernest Shackleton's ship, Endurance, which lay at a depth of 11,000 feet, that's 3,400 meters beneath the surface on the floor of the Weddell Sea. I was lucky enough to get Tilly's time as she was on board Agulhas, and she talks to me now. Enjoy. My name is Tilim Pasele. I am from South Africa. I'm an engine cadet on the bo- on board the SAI Gallus. An engine cadet, a cadet specifically as somebody, an officer in training who understudies all the engineers on board. Now, it's so amazing to meet you, Tilly. And getting this interview was um, kind of like winning the lottery because you're actually on board the ship right now. Is that correct? Yes, yes, I am on board the ship as we speak. I'm actually in my cabin as we do this interview. It's so incredible because this ship is really special because you had um, Dan Snow on board and you were doing an amazing uh, mission. Can you tell me a little bit about what you were doing? Um, We were looking for the endurance that was lost 107 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. So we went to the World Sea to look for it and we found it. It was was very, I I don't know how to explain the feeling being part of history like that, but it was very great. I don't, yeah, it was very nice. So as an engineering cadet, uh, did you ever think that you would be involved in a project like this? No, no, because when I started studying, I started studying mechanical. I never thought of my life out at sea. So only when I was done with mechanical, then this opportunity to work at sea came about. And then that's when I took it. But I never actually thought I would be part of something this big, let alone go to Antarctica or go over the borders of South Africa. It was never something I thought of growing up. So as it always just always sounds like it's not real, feels surreal or some kind of thing. But then I think, I think I'm getting the hang of it now. I mean, to be honest, it's really unusual to see a woman in mechanical engineering. Like let's just stop there. I mean, you're very rare. So how come you decided to go into engineering in the first place? Like, take me through a quick summary of how you ended up becoming an engineering cadet. So um, if, if we go a little bit back, when I grew up, I grew, I was, you know, my little sister is like 10 years 
younger than me. So I was always just not the young, oh, only child, but I had a brother, but he stayed with my grandmother. So every time my father used to work on things and then I felt he's getting tired and stuff like that. So I would always up and go and help him. If he starts doing something, working on the car, and then I'll always be there to help him. But in, in that time, I never really thought of it, of me falling in love with doing the mechanical work or all the handiwork that he used to do. It was just me thinking, oh, no, daddy's going to get too tired. Let me just help him. If I help him a bit, he won't be too tired. Then when I was done with my metric, that's when I decided, let me study electrical. Actually, I wanted to do electrical engineering, but for some reason, they put me in mechanical and I was like, let me go with it. Then I fell in love. That's when I loved mechanical right then then. But I knew as I went further and further into my studies that I do not want to sit in an office and be a designer. I want to be on the maintenance side because I've always been hands-on even at home. So that's why then I went the marine route to be on board a ship instead than to be in an office designing and doing stuff like that. Have you ever felt that you are unusual as a female mechanical engineer? I, 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 yeah, come, 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 come to think of it. Um, it was, you know, when we, we first entered the classroom and there was just a lot of boys and a few girls, it was always just been, the ratio has always just been not balanced. It'll be five girls and 20 boys. It was just, yeah, it felt like are we in the place where we should be or we shouldn't be here. And also when I'm at home, I usually work at the workshop with my cousin. So when I'm there most of the time, that's when now I saw, oh, okay. Then I realized that sometimes they would feel like you need strength to do a certain things. You know, when you're taking apart a car or an engine, then they would come as if you're too weak, you don't have the strength to do that or the things to do, you know, then you would feel like, oh, maybe I need to back up or maybe I need to, but yeah, at some in some places you do feel like that. But other than that, I, I do love this. I love fixing things. I love to start something, fix it and see it work. And then, yeah. So some girls here in the UK, I don't know globally whether this is true, but a lot of girls are really intimidated by needing to be good at maths and physics in order to go into engineering. Was that the case for you? No, no, um, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't really, and yeah, intimidated. And also because for me, when I was doing metric, I didn't plan on being an engineer. So I just went to do my physics and my maths. I knew I didn't want to be in medicine or anything, but I didn't know where specifically I wanted to find myself. So I knew I had to be good in physics and maths or work a little more than the others because I take time to understand things but I knew I had to work in order to get into any place I would want to get when I get to a point where I know where I want to be because I know I didn't always know but I knew I had to put on the work and yeah but meds is a, it can be a challenge it was a challenge for me as a result I had to put more time into it and ask questions and ask my classmates, ask the fellow learners, ask teachers and everybody else. What job do most girls do um, in South Africa? Uh, I'm, I'm not. If, if, if I go back into, the, to, into medicine, if I go to a hospital, that's where I find most girls 
that's where I find a lot of nurses, doctors being females, a lot of them. And yeah, numbers of males are very few. Males are few in those places. So I think in the medicine of, yeah, medical departments, that's where I would find a lot of girls. I haven't been in most places, but I, I, I've been to the hospital and I saw a lot of nurses being females. So what was it about engineering that you thought, yeah, this is much better for me? Um, I just, I just loved fixing. I just loved, yeah. I think having to have worked with my father as a child, then I just automatically knew this is what I want to do because I enjoyed it so much. And for me, like I said, if we fix something and then it works, that, that alone is just, I'm like, I would run around telling everybody it works. It works. Even here at work, the second engineer knows if they leave me do something, I do it. And then I come back, we, I start the machinery and I tell him, second, it works, it works. It's just, it's just that. It just gives me so much happiness knowing that I did it and it works, you know. Yes. So what's life like on board the ship? I mean, what do you do on a daily basis as an engineering cadet? Um, I, I wake up in the mornings and I go to the engine control room. Then the second engineer would... Um, tell us about the jobs that we need to cover for the day but in the in the in the marine department in the engineering department specifically because we have the second engineer we have the chief engineer we have the fourth engineer and the third engineer and then we have our oilers what happens is that the fourth has his own machinery his the fourth has his or, or her own machinery the third has his or her own machinery too. Then the second is just overall in charge of the whole, whole engine room, but he also has things that he only he can do. Then the chief engineer, it's management position, he's hardly in the engine room, but he is there. So if the fourth has something to do and I have to see that or I have to do that, then they would say, you can work with Tarullo or the third has something to do, you can work with the third then I would know I can go this way or this way. And also because I'm a trainee, I also get work to work with the electrical department. So when they are also doing something, then I would move. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I would be everywhere and anywhere because it's always interesting when they're doing things, but I cannot. So I have to be in a specific place to learn certain something. And maybe tomorrow I'll be with the fourth engineer and we do the fourth's work. The following day, I'm with the third, but most of my time I spend with the fourth engineer because after I do my oral exam, I'll have to be a fourth engineer. So I have to know more of his line of job than everybody else's, but they exposing me to everything else. And like, literally, what are you doing? Are you like turning files and, oh yeah? Using so spanners. But for being a cadet, it's interesting for a cadet because you can, if they lock out something, if you have to work on something and they have to isolate, you can start with the electrical department, they isolate, and you still become with the mechanic, stay with the mechanical department and work on that mechanically. So you get to be exposed to everything. That's what makes it more interesting. It sounds really fun. Um, it is. It is. It is really fun. I don't want to lie. And, and you know how... I'm, I'm sorry. You know how I did the theory of mechanical and there are things that we design in mechanical, but we never, because mechanical can be a bit more on the design side. Then now I come and I see that thing. Oh, yes. 
when we're designing evaporators, the outside temperature, the, the outlet temperature should be this, the inlet should be that. And for me, when I bring that mechanical knowledge with the marine one, then I can say, this is not working how it should because the pressure has dropped. What would cause the pressure to drop in a cycle? Then I know what equipment or what component works with the pressure. Then I would specifically go to that one. So when I merge the mechanical and the marine together, then it becomes very, very interesting because I can sit with my system and look at it and I can also go there to be hands-on on it. I can't, yeah. How did you get a job like this? Like, did you actually apply for it and pursue it? Yes, um, I, I did apply. I remember when I was just, um, because I had a hard time with design. Design, I'm not gonna stop mentioning design. It gave me a hard time in university, I'm sorry. So when I had a hard time with design and I was left with only applied strength and design to finish my theory modules, I was at home at that time and working at the mechanical workshop also at that time. And I see an email, I'm there working, then an email comes through, says you want life at sea. And I'm thinking what happens at sea? Because, you know, I'm from inland. I'm not a coastal child. So the sea is very far from where I'm from. Then I get, I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply. I applied, we went to Samtra, the company that recruited us as Samtra is an NPO, South African Maritime Training Academy. So we went there, they brought us to Cape Town, Simonstown. We did our training, they gave us introduction, told us more about marine, being at sea and what it entails and all of those things. At first I said, I'm going to give it a go because they told us it's not an easy place to be at, being away from home and, you know, then I said, I'm going to give it a go. I stayed, I integrated into Marine. I went to do my workshops where we learned basic um, skills that we would need when we're on board welding, electricity, you know, how to use hand tools, how to machine and stuff like that. Because as a Marine engineer on board, you do everything. If the ship is stuck at sea, you have to be able to do everything to get it back to port. So if it has to be, if you have to weld, you will have to weld, hence why we do the workshops. Then after that, and I just carried on with it. Then I felt, this was my first contract. This is still my first contract as a cadet. I remember when I first came here, before I came here, I was supposed to go to another ship, which was sailing in Europe, but I was in isolation yet. I tested positive for COVID. But being a believer at that time, I thought God can close another door and open another. Little did I know I was going to start in dry dock. So when I first started my first contract, I got on a ship and it goes to dry dock. I see it when it's outside the water. I see the thrusters, the bow thrusters, the propellers, the anchors, everything. I remember it was so overwhelming because I couldn't sit down. They would call me, go and see this. I'll be sitting, go and see that. You know, go and see this. And every time I'm like mind blown, wow, wow. And the ship is sitting on blocks and I'm thinking, is it really, you know, now my mechanical kicks in, the beams, the forces, everything, equilibrium. And then, yeah, it was just, it was so nice though. But then I, I realized I do want to stay on because now that I've seen it outside of water and then I want to see it inside the water, like how it, what happens now when we're inside. And at least now I would get a better understanding because I seen what a rudder is, not only saw it, but got to touch it you know, do measurements on it. And I've seen the propeller. I've seen how the ship looks outside, not on a video, but outside me having to touch and say, oh, this is how it feels. So I, and, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue with this. It sounds very interesting. After having to see so many things, I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to continue. I'm not going to let this one go. Um, yeah, I'm just going to take it on. And that's how I made the decision finally at last. I mean, engineering-wise, it sounds so cool. But what is life like? Like, are you always at sea then? Um, yes, I think I, I would say that. But for now, we are in port in Cape Town. I think it also depends on the ships and where they travel and what do they do. But because this is a South African ship, it's a research ship. It goes to Antarctica and then comes back to Cape Town and goes somewhere else and then back to Cape Town. But most of the time we spend at sea. When we went to Antarctica for the first time, it was two months at sea. And then we came back to port and then we went back for the World Sea. And now we are back and we're going to go back somewhere else. We're going to go to somewhere else after this. But yeah, we are always at sea. It's, it's not easy. Emotional-wise, it's, it's really not easy because you get to mess home. You cannot just, you know, after you knock off from, from work, you can walk home and talk to family, talk to your loved ones and, you know, get a hug, get something to give you comfort if you've had a, a hard day. But here, if you had a hard day, you still go back to your cabin and you just, just with yourself, basically, even though you have colleagues and all, but all of it, all in, sorry, all in all, it boils down to just you having yourself and your faith if you're a believer. As I'm a believer, I have my faith. When I wake up, I would pray and say, Lord, whatever I get to face today, I know you went before me. So you have to be emotionally strong and have something to hold on to and anchor because it gets very hard. It really gets very hard. You miss your family, but you can't do anything about it. And you're like, yeah, you have nobody to talk who's too close to you. Like, you know, people, your people, Not I'm not saying there's no people on ship, but we always have those people that we always had when we are home. People we would walk to, people we would take taxis to or buses to go and see but now you can't you are in the middle of nowhere in the sea all by yourself with yourself but also what I've learned is that all of that got to teach me more about me as a person and how do I deal with emotions how do I deal with conflict how do I deal with being alone and a lot of things that come my way yes and I learned to carry and know how to just let other things go and just be and realize, you know, this is life. A lot of things might not go how I want them to go, but I have to work. I always bring that in mind. And remember, I love being here, but it doesn't mean I won't have any challenges, but I will still go back to saying I love being here. It's incredible because um, you must have had to do a lot of inner work um, yes. so that you are emotionally fit to have a lifestyle like this. Um, what do you think have been the key things that you use as kind of emotional tools to keep you strong? I feel like everything that I have been through from High school, you know, through varsity to be here has prepared me for this very journey that I had to be on. Because in varsity, I was um, a member of Wella. We had this, we still have it. I think it's still running even now. 
Women in Engineering Leadership Association. So during Wella, we had um, junior Wella members and senior Wella members. As junior Wella members, we had to do workshops, you know, time management, how to handle stress, things that empowered us as individuals, as females in, in the engineering field assertiveness, you know, such workshops. And through all of that, we got to learn about ourselves and get empowered and know how to basically, I feel like all of that just helped me and still helps me today in this place that I am. And I remember at some point, I was also a mentoring coordinator for the organization itself. And then I mentored other junior members as I was a senior member. So it was just, through all of that, through different interactions and hearing stories of other people, I, I felt like in some way just got me to this point that I am emotionally, how to, you know, a lot of things happened through varsity. And I also was a mentoring coordinator for another bursary scheme for first years from different engineering fields and not only girls, but with boys also. And you know, all of those interactions, all of those people who were part of my life through varsity, their stories have just made me a wiser child, I should say. And yeah, so I think all of that. And my grandmother too, because I am my grandmother's child, she would always tell me that um, I am going to be something. She, she used to tell me I'm going to be something big in life. You know, I'm going to do something extraordinary. And I never really comprehended what she meant I would look and laugh I was still a child growing up and it never really seemed to be something I would get to achieve you know when you're in varsity and you're failing but then when I first when 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 I started now moving into this direction of marine engineering and then going to sea going to Antarctica and having to call and tell it the sun doesn't set it's 12 a.m but the sun hasn't set I'm looking at it you know things like that I will share with her then I remembered what she actually did mean when she said you will be big in life. And I also held myself to that and said, I want to be something big. So I think it's, it's, it's just that. It's just all of those few things. I hope I've answered the questions, but yeah. I, I think it's just all of those things. The people I've met along the way on my journey and the people I'm still meeting today. How do you handle stress? How have you learned to, to handle it? Yes. Um, when I am stressed, um, I, um, I read a lot, if I should mention, I'm, I'm, I love books. And one of the few favorite people that I always check is Dr. Caroline Leaf. So every time I would read things, she would post on social media, you know, then I became aware of a lot of things, how to deal with emotions. There's also one thing that I've seen in, in particular when she, she mentioned um, I'm, I'm forgetting it, but it was speaking about emotions, you know, how you have to sit with your emotions and they are not facts. And then you have to say, yes, I understand. I feel angry. But is that, you know, take the emotion away and think, is that really how I should be feeling? Does it, does it mean I'm not loved? You know, maybe because sometimes when you feel a certain way, then we equate that to being loved or being worthy and all of those things. But if you can take the emotion away, then who am I? Is that true? Is that fact? And then, yeah. Then I, I just learn to sit with my emotions, basically. That's all I do. And I would know that just because I feel this way, it doesn't mean this is the truth. That's how I learn to deal with stress and frustration. That's what I do each and every single day. I always remind myself, remember, 
feelings can be interpreted and what is interpreted can be wrong. It's not always fact. You have to communicate a certain things to know for sure and not just come to a conclusion. So I, I learned to sit with them. I would put them there and say, I understand, Tilly, you are mad, but what are you mad for? And then question it, you know, not saying I don't want to feel, I will feel, I love, I'm a feely, feely child. I'm a very emotional being. I would sit and really feel, but then at the same time, I would want to question my emotions because I know emotions are just that. They're just emotions and I don't want to, be enslaved by them because I also read a book by Victor E. Franklin when he said the world can take everything from you but what they can never take is your choice to choose how you react so every time I always remember you have a choice you have a choice you have a choice that's I sing to myself that a whole a lot of times when I encounter um, conflict or I encounter situations where I feel like I'm not hurt or I am not, you know, that make me feel otherwise. I say, remember, you have a choice. And then I just stick with that. That's what I do. And I sing. I'm a very loud singer. I love music. I remember one thing I also sang for them during the expedition. I sang Good Job by Alicia Keys at some point before we found the ship. So I went to the auditorium and I said, this is a dedication to everybody on board the ship. And I sang that song for everybody else. So I, I do that. Music is my go-to place and books. I'm really curious to hear your voice at some point. That's, <laughs> that's going to be amazing. We will. And, we will get and so what I'm curious to know about is the future for a woman like you in marine engineering, who's always out at sea, doesn't really get to see her family. Um, do you ever worry about the other things that women do, like have a family and things like that, like, do you have a plan? Yes, uh, I, I did think of it. Yes, I, <laughs> I've been thinking of it. I wouldn't lie and say it's not something I think of. I do, but I I also figured I, I had a, you know, a 10-year plan because at some point, if I, when I'm qualified, not if, when I qualify and become a fourth engineer, before I can become a third or become a second, before I can become a second engineer, I'll have to study further. So in my plans was like, if ever during my times at sea, I find something solid, you know, something very serious where somebody really does understand I'll be at sea for quite some time kind of thing. I can say in, the, in that time where I have to study to become second and become chief, because I want to become a chief engineer also. I don't want to leave C before I get to that point. And that is something I want to make a, a reality, basically. So I plan that I will become fourth and go become third, then sit home for a certain time and period, study further to be a second in a chief, provide a, a family that period, Provided I have found somebody at that time who was like understand my job and what I want to obtain for my life because I do not want to sit down or I do not want to stay at home until I become a chief engineer. And when I do become a chief engineer, then I want to be head of department somewhere. Growing up, I always wanted to be head of a department, whether mechanical or marine engineer at a university because I also love, I love teaching. I love 
tutoring when I'm at home. If I'm not at the workshop, all I do is tutor. Even today, when I go home, the kids will always just come home to ask, um, we have this homework, can we do this? And we would do that. And even the high school kids, I help them apply. I help them do everything. I'm always out and about basically at schools, high schools, primary schools. That's just always me helping wherever I can with applications, with any information that I might have regarding certain things. That's just always me. Homeworks, we sit at home, they come, they know where I stay and they'll be asking for me. Then we do homeworks, we do assignments and that's it. So I know I also want to be a community kind person, you know, being maybe in, involved in an NPO or something else. We do have now our very own, we call Vilink and I'm a mentoring coordinator also there. So I, I make sure we have tutors, we have people who can help the kids around at home. So that's why I want to go into lecturing at some point because I don't want to stay at sea forever, but I also want to be chief engineer before I go the online route. Well, it really sounds like you've thought about your future. It sounds like you, even though your job sounds very hands-on, uh, it sounds like a perfect job for you and, and, and fun. And why shouldn't women do it if they still have time to go off and have a family and do all the things that women are kind of expected to do. Um, so, you know, it sounds like a job that you could recommend to other women. Um, and, and so, you know, that's all really inspiring. And I guess one of the major things that um, many women might want to know is what it was like working with Dan Snow on this expedition. And it was it, it was very nice. He's a he's a he's a good person. He's a fun dude, I should say. Oh, I don't know if I should call him a dude. He's a oh, you know, yeah, youngsters. We just say a person is a guy as a dude. But yeah, Dan Snow is a is a very good guy. And the few interactions that I've had with him, he he is really a nice person. He is a nice person. Yes. Well, that expedition was really amazing to follow. Um, and it achieved something pretty remarkable in history. Uh, yes. What was it like for you being part of that? It, it was actually amazing. It was actually amazing. I, I Yeah, it was just an amazing experience, I should say. You know, having to sail with people from different countries people doing different things and being on board together and seeing everybody come together working towards one goal and how they lended a hand to each other the kindness that was flowing on the ship that's that's what stood out for me it was just always amazing to sit back and and just watch it was nice i don't want to lie i've learned a lot from people from interactions from the people i work with from people from different departments on board this ship and everybody else as who were part of the expedition. It was a, a brilliant experience. I don't have much words and yeah, but all in all, it was awesome. Well, you are definitely the most amazing marine engineer I've ever met. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. And giving us an insight to what it's like being on board um, this magnificent research vessel. Um, and good luck for your future trips and making your way up to uh, second and beyond. 
to the chief. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening and please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. The more ratings and reviews and the more interest from those trusty algorithms, which could help to increase the reach of this show. And you can watch the video recording of this conversation on YouTube on my new series called Esteemed. It's all about self-discovery, self-evolution and inclusivity on innovation. Let's all strive to be in the best versions of ourselves and celebrate others being themselves too. As always, be kind and loving, and I wish you all a great week.